I'll say, bless the Lord, and if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Well, good evening. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here at Kairos, um, and I've got three words for you tonight. Don't ever forget. Has anyone ever said that statement to you? What was your response? Like, it almost makes your ears snap to attention and eagerly anticipate what's coming next. It makes your mind buzz with curiosity and you try to fill in the blanks of what might possibly be coming and somehow that phrase seems to involuntarily open up our hearts and hands ready to receive whatever is about to be entrusted to us. Don't ever forget. Well, I guess our response would depend on who's saying it and how they're saying it. Uh, if it was your parent or a primary caregiver handing you the keys to your car, or in my case, their car that they let you borrow, and you hear those words, don't ever forget, the intoxication of freedom and the anxious anticipation of what was going to come next drowns out whatever comes next, right? Blah, 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 be careful, blah, 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 seatbelt, blah, 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 don't text and drive, right? And then you're off. Or if it's a loved one who says, don't ever forget, and they're straining with what is possibly going to be their last breath, I'm sure you would lean in and make sure not one drop is spilled of their love and their legacy. But if it's someone who says, don't ever forget, and it's said through clenched teeth, a furrowed brow, an angry face, and possibly a finger waving at you, you lean back and do your best to avoid the verbal shrapnel coming your way. Don't ever forget. What if someone said that to you as you were sitting at a table, your stomach is rumbling and grumbling, your mind is racing, and your body's doing its best to try to relax and recline when you look across the table and you lock eyes with Jesus. And there's a fire and compassion in his eyes and he looks directly at you and says, don't ever forget. What would be your response? Would you give him a courteous, religious head nod in agreement, but secretly think, hustle up, you've got bread and wine in your hands, let's get to the more meaty teachings. Give me something I can really chew on. I, I got bread and wine. That's good. I see that every day. What's next, Jesus? Would you, in your shame and in your guilt, drop your eyes? And the, mind, the question comes in the back of your mind, why? Why are you telling this to me and why am I even at this table? I can't fathom why you would trust me with the words that are coming out of your mouth next. Or would you, despite all your insecurities and all your hesitations, lift your eyes and your face to meet his fully and do everything you can to open up your heart, your hands, your soul, your mind, and your body to fully receive this moment that's bursting at the seams with his glory and goodness and take it and lock it into your long-term memory so that every moment after that, when you do what he says next, you get to repent, renew, and remember that your commitment to Jesus 
is only as good as his commitment to you. Don't ever forget. That's just a basic way for us to say in our modern day vernacular the words that we're going to read in our text tonight. Do this in remembrance of me. If you have your Bibles, we'll be reading in Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 14. While you're turning there, I'll pray for us. Jesus, would you go before us in this text and in this meal and make a way? Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Luke 22 and verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. So here's what I'd like for us to get in the rhythm in the new year. About every fifth week, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together, communion or Eucharist, which is my default word because it's a transliteration of the Greek and it makes me sound so smart and mysterious and sacred and holy and I need all the help I can get. And it's just a Greek word that means thanksgiving. And I understand once we start this new pattern for some of you, that's gonna be too much and for some of you, that's not gonna be enough. And I understand that all of our uh, desires and our, the way that we interact with God, uh, those things are cultivated in different ways. Uh, our cravings for different things are cultivated differently. So for some of you, when we gather here on Tuesday nights, you crave musical worship. Like it's unbelievable how quickly your soul and your mind and your body connect. You're already upset that we only sang two songs and not three songs. And you're like, speed it up. It's not that funny. It's not going anywhere fast. Um, speed it up. Let's, let's get the real pastors back up on stage. Don't worry. I'm shortening my sermons. You're welcome. Um, some of you, you crave scripture and teaching, and you're just like, yeah, la, 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 get to the meat, all right? Your mind, you connect with that. You integrate that. That just makes you feel fully alive in Jesus Christ. And some of you just crave the time to sit and breathe and pray and listen to the voice of your Father and to pray for other people. And some of you, the biggest thing that you crave afterwards is just being able to connect with someone, to say hi and have your faith strengthened by understanding there's a community of your brothers and sisters who have your back. What I want to do, though, uh, throughout the course of this year, every five weeks, just give us some space and some time to see if we can't cultivate our cravings for Eucharist together. I wonder if we don't practice it enough 
that maybe our desire will match Jesus' desire to share this meal with you. We just read that in the text, right? Jesus sits down with his disciples and says, I have eagerly desired to eat this meal with you. So he's got a heavenly longing, a holy craving, and a divine desire to sit down and give them a holy and holistic way to make sure that they can keep what is primary at the center and circumference of their faith, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his return. And if you think about it, Jesus has access to all the words in the universe, and yet he chooses this to be the sign of how we will remember him. Or as N.T. Wright says, esteemed New Testament scholar, he could have given them a theory, he could have given them a sacred scriptural text, but instead, he gave them a meal. And tonight, we'll partake of that meal together. Now, we're still figuring out the best way for our family to share this meal together, all right? Now, it is the bane of my wife's existence to try to figure out, we have a family of six, how to provide something that's nutritious and the kids will actually eat, okay? It's in my job description as husband. I eat it and smile and say I loved it regardless of my personal preferences, but I have cultivated my cravings. Let's stop right there. But I love my wife, and so she's just frustrated. We're trying to figure out something besides just cheeseburgers that makes everybody happy, and even then, Maggie wants a hot dog. So that's a family of six. Now let's try to figure out for our family of 600 how we're going to decide to take Eucharist together. Now, we've been on this journey, for those who've been with us before, um, we've tried lots of different ways. Uh, The first way that I I fell in love with, because I was really hardcore legalistic, um, is I wanted to use matzah crackers as the bread, because it's Jewish unleavened bread. And I'm like, yes, I will hold fast to your truth, dear Lord. (laughs) Those things are nasty, okay? And Jesus don't like nasty. They break apart, crumbs go everywhere, and then there's something very, I don't know, I I can tolerate a lot of profane things in the midst of sacred things. I can't tolerate your crunching. And it's just too distracting for me. So I'm a younger brother, don't cause me to stumble in sin. So then we decided, well, let's just use bread, okay? Who cares if there's a little bit of yeast in it? We're New Testament Christians, God is graceful. And it just tastes better, okay? Then we started, you know, peeling them off by hand, and the pieces were either too small, and some of you guys are just too Baptist, that when you get to the cup, you got to submerge it, like it's up to your knuckles. And you're just, if it's not all the way under, it doesn't count, okay? So then we make the pieces longer, and then you do that, you pull it out, it's dripping all over the place. It's CSI crime scene, and then it's on this. And then you stare awkwardly at us and we're like, eat it. You don't have to take it back to your seat. Or when you pull it out, it breaks off. And then the body of Jesus is swimming around in the common cup. And you know the next person is condemning you. So we have arrived at the wafer, okay? 
Wayford's getting applause. Great. I admit I had some prejudices towards the wafer for experience I had as an eighth grader the first time at a Methodist church. And I, I was not used to that. I'm like, that's not a Baptist chiclet, okay? <laughs> I don't know what that wizardry is, but it tastes like nothing and it's melting on my tongue. It can't be safe. So if you've never experienced that before, get ready. The Lord is going to surprise you, all right? But let me just... This is flour and water, pressed, okay? Um, And we'll take this, and when it's handed to you, the leader will simply say to you, the bread of heaven. It's how Jesus referred to himself as the bread of life, and we know that he's the son of God come down from heaven, and his body was broken for us. And then uh, we'll dip it into the cup. You only have to go halfway, Baptists, halfway, okay? Take it out. They'll say the cup of salvation, and then you can take... Uh, the Eucharist. Now, we've gotten to that point, and so uh, there's also, again, family our size, people have different preferences. So also, if you come up, here is single serving. If you need a gluten-free wafer, if this much flour sends you into anaphylactic shock, we want to know, we we like our gluten-free people. Um, And then there's also a single serving of grape juice. For those of you, just go, Chris, it's just too much dipping and touching and germies. So I just, I need my own single serving. So those are there for you. They're all sanitized, sealed. No one's touched them that I know of. Um, I don't know if that's humanly possible, but we'll, we'll, we'll lie to you. Um, there's also hand sanitizer at all the ends of the bleachers for, for when we come forward um, for that stuff, if it bothers you. I'm not condemning you. I'm glad you're at the table. Um, This is non-alcoholic wine. um, So that's for my brothers and sisters who are in recovery and those of you who just choose to abstain. Um, But if even that's too much, then that's grape juice. Feel free to take that. Even if you do the single servings, please just take your time, open them up and have it while you're in the presence of the leader. Again, they'll say to you, the bread of heaven, and tonight we're going to add this caveat after they say the bread of heaven, don't ever forget. Um, And as we hand you the cup of salvation, we'll also say, don't ever forget. Now, um, I love coming forward to take communion. Uh, I like getting up out of my seat. There's something priestly and holy about receiving it from someone else. Um, And it can seem kind of weird. You're going to be jockeying for position. You'll figure out how to get there and get back. It'll just happen. But sometimes when you get to the table, all of a sudden the holiness and the heaviness of the moment comes over you. And I would encourage you to lock eyes with the person who's saying it. Because a lot of times our tendency is to avoid eye contact. You're like, this is too religious, too sacred, too weird. Step into it and try to experience it for all it's worth. But I've noticed some of you who do that Once I lock eyes with you and say, the bread of heaven, you feel like you need to say something back to me, okay? If the silence is too sacred, too holy, and too much, and you feel like you need to reply, let me give you some suggestions. Amen is just fine, okay? (laughs) Um, You can say, thank you, Jesus. You'll notice that when I take communion, I cross myself. Why? Because I love using my body to remind me that I'm identifying with the life death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Or maybe tonight, if you're willing, 
When someone says, the cup of salvation, don't ever forget, maybe you can just whisper back out loud, I'll never forget. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you drink this cup and eat this bread, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. Um, We practice open communion. Um, By the way, everything that I'm saying now, we're going to start to write down. This would be a 10-minute sermon if I didn't have to go through all this, but it's important. So next time we do this, this will be in a card in your seat so that we can fully explain who we are, what we are, and how we're about this. But we practice open communion, which simply means this. For those of us who have decided to receive the love, the grace, the forgiveness, the rights, and the responsibilities that come with identifying with Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, it is a meal where we welcome anyone to demonstrate that decision by partaking of this meal. So if you're a follower of Christ, you're welcome. Hey, if you're new here tonight, if you're here and you're just considering the claims of Christ, if you're religiously skeptical, there is zero pressure to participate. You can simply watch. Um, but if you decide, you know what? I, I do want to participate. Jesus has saved the seat at the table for me, and there's something compelling me. We're going to have our prayer counselors up front with the leaders um, at the tables. They'll be interspersed between each table, and they'll be there to pray with you. If you decide, hey, I want someone to walk me through how to actually receive that love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness. I want to be called a child of God because I've been adopted through Jesus' blood and sacrifice. I'm in. They'll pray with you, and they'll walk over with you for you to be able to participate in Eucharist. Our prayer counselors will also be there for my brothers and sisters in Christ who take 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven seriously, not to eat the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner and therefore drink condemnation on yourself. Now, I understand it is the body and blood of Jesus is the only thing that makes us worthy. But if you found yourself in this room in a season of sin, rebelling, running or hiding from God consistently and you need to repent and you need to confess our prayer counselors are also available for you to walk through that with you when you come to the table so is that clear good we're gonna repent we're gonna renew our covenant vows with Jesus and we're gonna remember and we're never gonna forget and we're gonna show the Lord's death until he comes again so um, if my leaders will go ahead and prayer counselors take their positions at their table. What I will do is I will lead us um, in a short liturgy, a prayer of confession. And then as you guys are ready, you may come to the table together. We'll do the first slide. Bless the Lord who forgives all of our sins. You guys are right on. This is going to be good. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray together. Nice. (laughs) Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you. Word and deed. 
by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. For this, we really sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you, feed on them in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. And don't ever forget.